chapter 3 this evening, and uh, there's only a few verses left, but man, there is a ton in these five verses. Um, start by reading where we left off in verse 13, James chapter 3, verse 13, and it says to us, who is wise and understanding among you? And boy, that question can sure be asked as we look around our world and society today, right? There are not many that really fit that, that answer there. Um, it says, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But, verse 17, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All right, uh, you can turn me down just a little bit, because I'm already holding back, and I feel that I'm probably going to get a little louder as I go along. Um, I think it's safe, as, as we kind of read through these verses, I'm sure there's visions of, of, of people whether in certain positions in our, in our culture, in our society, or people in our families, or, or in our neighborhoods. But, but somebody that we all know who's very intelligent, yet they, they lack the ability to carry out some of life's simplest tasks. You ever met somebody like that? Um, maybe they can run a complicated computer program, or they understand uh, complex mathematical equations. They're smart. And, and not all smart people like this, but there are a group of these people who are very intellectual, very smart, but yet they lack common sense. And, um, and it just seems to escape them. And some would even say that they lack street smarts, right? And um, in most of these cases, these people have what we would say a knowledge, but perhaps they lack wisdom. They have knowledge, but they lack wisdom. And when we consider biblical wisdom... Um, we understand that it's the ability to rightly apply knowledge or the ability to use that knowledge correctly. And it's been rightly said that a knowledge, as I was mentioning this a few weeks ago, knowledge gives us the ability to take something apart while wisdom enables us to put that back together again. And... Um, that can apply in many situations, including our own lives. You know, we had the uh, we had the knowledge to be able to disassemble our lives before we came to Christ, and He alone had the wisdom to put it back together again. And 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 of course, that goes beyond that. And in the book of Proverbs, we know that it's a book of wisdom. If you've heard anybody ever teach through Proverbs or refer to the Proverbs, they they speak of it as as a book of wisdom. In that, when we study it, we're told how to rightly apply knowledge. That's what the book of Proverbs is about. 
It, it tells us how to rightly apply knowledge or how to use knowledge correctly, and it addresses pretty much every issue of life, every avenue of life. In other words, it really tells us how to put things back together again. And um, there's a man by the name of Charles Steinmetz. Anybody know him? Ever heard of him? Charles Steinmetz? Yeah? The old-timer back there, he knows. <laughs> uh, he is, he's an older gentleman. He is a man. He's no longer alive. But he was a man who knew how to put things back together together. And he said this. He said, no man really becomes a fool until he stops asking questions. And, and um, that's pretty significant. And Charles Steinmetz was a mathematical genius, and he was a, 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 an electrical engineer. He's actually in the Engineering Hall of Fame. And uh, he invented and patented the AC power generator. And Mr. Steinmetz, he immigrated to the United States in 1893 from Poland. And he was almost turned away at Ellis Island um, and sent back to Poland because he was only four foot tall. And he was deemed to be medically unfit, right? He wasn't making it through the, 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 the rigorous scanning processes and the requirements that were met there for people immigrating. And in the end, Mr. Steinmetz uh, made it through immigration, and he ended up being employed for with General Electric. And while employed for General Electric, he designed generators for, for uh, Ford Motor Company, especially for the assembly lines in Dearborn, Michigan. And he worked there with uh, uh, GE uh, until he retired. But after Mr. Steinmetz retired... Uh, from GE, these generators that he had designed for Ford, they broke down. And um, the assembly lines, as you can imagine, all came screeching to a halt without power, without AC power. None of the things that moved these, these machineries would work. So all of Ford's engineers, the story goes, were, were brought in to try to fix the problem. And after very many days, after many days of trying, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. They couldn't fix it. So Henry Ford called upon the retired Steinmetz to see what he could do. And Mr. Steinmetz accepted the job, and he was able, as you could imagine, as the designer of these, these generators, he was able to quickly trace the, the, the systems and find the part that was malfunctioning. And, and what we're told is he took a piece of chalk, and he marked the malfunctioning part with an X, with a piece of chalk. And then Mr. Steinmetz submitted a bill to Henry Ford, um, for $10,000, which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. It's even more money then. Well, as you can imagine, Henry Ford was uh, uh, taken back by the amount of the bill, and he wrote a letter in response to the bill that he had, he had received to Mr. Steinmetz saying, $10,000 seemed like a lot of money for simply marking an X. And Mr. Steinmetz replied back with an itemized bill which read, Making chalk mark, $1. For knowing where to place the chalk mark, $9,999. You see, Mr. Charles Steinmetz had wisdom, knowledge rightly applied. And he also knew the value of wisdom, of knowing how to put something back together. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And in all of your getting, 
get understanding. I love that. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all of your getting, get understanding. Proverbs 4, verse 7. Sadly, when it comes to the Word of God, we, as we're addressing this overall issue of spiritual maturity as we go through the book of James, um, when, we, when we come to the Word of God, we can remain spiritually immature because we lack spiritual wisdom. And we don't, quote-unquote, get understanding, meaning we cannot or we do not take the knowledge that's found within the Bible or that comes from God and apply its wisdom to our lives. We don't see the value of it. We miss out. So in these last verses that we just read through in chapter 3, James is taking us on this journey. And as he takes us on this journey, he's, he continues to encourage us to be spiritually mature as he explains really the importance of having spiritual wisdom. And in doing so, James contrasts for us two types of wisdom. A wisdom that comes from God and, and man's wisdom, or as I like to refer to it, because that's almost sounding like man's wise, man's made wisdom. And, 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 and in contrasting these two kinds of wisdom, James points out how really these two different ways of, of, of thinking or knowledge or applying knowledge, um, that these two different ways of wisdom, or that he, he, that they, he points out how they operate in two different ways, and that these two types of wisdom also, because they operate in a different way, they also produce completely different results. They bear different fruit. So with that, as we get into these verses, I'd like to pray, and uh, we'll begin to break it down. Father, all of us, Lord, are in need of of your wisdom, and we're in need of the, the, the wisdom that you pour out into our hearts and into our minds, into our lives, Lord, um, to drive out those ways that seem right to us. And Father, the truth of the matter is, is we can't do this apart from the empowering of your Holy Spirit or apart from faith, because it requires us, Lord, to, to trust in you, to do things in a way that doesn't always seem right to us. But God, we desire to um, live in a way that you say is right and according to your will. And that requires us, Lord, to apply your truths to our lives, to take the knowledge that you give us, that we receive, and to live by them. So I pray, God, that we would see the benefit of that as we study through these last words that James wrote here to us that we've read in chapter 3. Pray, God, that you would bless us, that we would receive the blessing that James speaks about at the end of this chapter in verse 18, Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we prepare to, to go through the rest of these verses, we need to keep in mind that James is continuing to instruct us on spiritual maturity, right? That's the context. That's the foundation. And, and, and spiritual maturity in regards to what are we talking about last week in the previous verses? Spiritual maturity in regards to the words that we speak, the tongue, Right? And, and, and they're connected here, and, and, and that's the, the flow, the continuation of what we've been reading about. So spiritual maturity in regards to the words that we speak, and he does this by addressing this issue of really knowledge without wisdom, okay? Knowledge without wisdom. And, and, and you can really tell when someone has knowledge and no wisdom when, when they open their mouth, right? The Bible says a man a man appears to be wise until he opens his mouth 
and reveals himself to be a, a fool. And, 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 and that's the case often, is, is that often we can see exactly how wise or unwise somebody is by the words that they speak. And so knowledge without wisdom in regards to the words we speak. And we don't, we don't want to be that guy. Whenever I think about that, the first thing that comes to my mind is our politicians. As a matter of fact, more than that, pretty much anybody that works in government. And I've had the fortunate ability to have some direct and indirect contact with more of those people this week with our preschool and down at the building and zoning and planning department. And let me tell you, they fit the mold as far as what we're talking about here. Uh, they profess to be wise. They have all kinds of wisdom, but they have absolutely no common sense. You know, one of the requirements, just going to, I'm going to go off a little bit here. One of the requirements that they're requiring us for us is, is that our staff has to now have a class. Well, we have to have FEMA training, which is, I, I, I have no explanation for that. But they also want us to have training to, by identify, to be able to identify babies who have had shaken baby syndrome. Well, we're a preschool, and, and they say, well, babies really are classified between birth to two and a half years old. And, and I'm just thinking, there's just no common sense to this, no rational. And, and this is one of 21 items on the list of new regulations that are handed down from our wise government officials in regards to what we as a preschool need to do. And, and, and that's just one example of this knowledge without wisdom, and, and they just open their mouths and they, they, they reveal themselves. But you know what? I don't want to be that guy. I don't. Especially when it comes to standing in front of people and, 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 and influencing their lives. And that's what we're looking at because that's what James was speaking to us about in regards to the power that the words we have, the words that we speak have. And, and with this understanding that our words have the ability, as we talked about last week, three abilities, right? The ability to direct and guide a person's life, the ability to tear down and the ability to build up. And with the understanding that our tongues, which speaks words, have such great power, we must obtain. It's necessary to obtain and seek to have wisdom when you see that there's such power attached to the words that we speak. In other words, um, it's not enough to simply stand before a person or many persons and speak words. On the contrary, if we're going to open our mouths and speak, it's important that we have something that's worth listening to, right? Something that's worth listening to, and this is where spiritual wisdom comes in. And now James begins by drawing our attention in these verses to the fact that wisdom can come from one of two places. Saying first in verse 15, if you look there, that there's a wisdom that does not descend from above. And then in verse 17, that there's also a wisdom which comes from above. In other words, there's this heavenly wisdom, a wisdom that comes from God. And there's this, as, I, as I've already said, a man-made wisdom that does not come from God. And the truth is, whatever does not come from God, guys, because the Bible tells us that every pure and acceptable thing comes from God, from from the Father lights, from heaven above. But everything that does not come from God isn't good, and therefore it's destined to fail. Bottom line. Or as we see on the eternal sense, everything that's not from God or is eternal in God will it's going to burn up. It's going to be consumed. Why? Because it's defiled. It's corrupt. It's impure. And so, so is the case in regards to 
wisdom or man's wisdom. It does not come from God. It's destined to fail no matter how successful it may appear to be at the time. And, and that goes back to one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says there's a way that seems right to man, but it's in his death. It's in his destruction. And, and in other words, there's, there's a wisdom, a man's wisdom, and it seems right to us. It seems best, but it's destined to fail. It, it, it doesn't produce godliness or good food or righteousness that leads to peace that we see here in verse 18. In fact, the Bible's given us many examples of this, right? The Bible is, is unashamed when it comes to speaking about the failures of all kinds of men and women throughout the Bible who've acted in a way that it seemed right to them. And, and even whole people groups, the children of Israel, over and over and over again. And, and, and it gives us many examples of this, and not only of that, of the foolishness that came as a result of them either acting in a way that seemed right to them or applying man's wisdom to their own lives or to their own culture or people. For example, in Genesis chapter 11, one of the very first things that we read about is this building of the Tower of Babel. We look back on that now and we go, what, what were they thinking? It was foolishness, right? Well, we read in the Bible that it seemed like a wise endeavor at the time to all of the inhabitants of the earth. But what was the end of that wisdom of men? Specifically, we saw that it, was, it, it, it ended in destruction, um, uh, separation, and confusion. That was the result of it. We also read in Genesis chapter 12 about a time that we've been reading about Sunday and Sunday mornings where it seemed like a wise thing to Abraham to uh, go down to Egypt when a famine had come into the land, to the very place that God had called him to dwell. Made sense to him. I'm here, there's a famine, I'm not going to stay here. Egypt is rich, it's lush, there's provision there, so I'm going to go to Egypt, right? Seemed right in his own eyes. It seemed like a wise thing, yet it wasn't from God. And we know that as a result of doing this, as a result of Abraham's decision, there was consequences that were handed down from generation to generation to generation. Additionally, in Acts, if we looked at the New Testament, and just as maybe this isn't even such as a great thing, but it's still... A true thing, and we have to see that this isn't always cataclysmic events, although I wouldn't want to be shipwrecked, but there's an incident in Acts chapter 27 where Paul, we remember he's being taken by prisoner by Roman guard on Roman ships to Rome to be tried. And, um, and if you follow the account, they had made it to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lycia, and, and when they reached there, it was becoming late in the sailing season. And, and, and we're told that continuing on to Italy, to Rome, would be dangerous. And, and, and yet the sailing experts, right, in that instance, the, they, thought it would be, they thought it would be okay. They thought it would be wise to go ahead and continue on sailing for, for Rome. But, but Paul argued, and he, he disagreed with them, and he spoke against it, and he had another wisdom, a wisdom from God. And, and he said, man, let's just winter here in, in Fairhaven. And, and, and the fact that they didn't listen to Paul... Uh, proved unwise because we know that they ended up being shipwrecked just off of the coast of the island of Malta. And, and in light of this, as we see these examples, and there's many more like them in the scriptures that I can go through, I'm sure we can all remember a time or two when we ourselves have been foolish. And, and we did things according to, to man's wisdom or the advice of, of someone else that, that really we knew it seemed right to us, but yet it was 
contrary to, to perhaps what God's word had revealed to us or what we already knew was right, but it, someone was presenting it in our own heart, kind of tricked us and deceived us. And, 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 and we do it and we did it and we set aside this wisdom which comes from above, you know? Maybe it's something as simple as, as we, you know, God's word says, you know, don't spend money you don't have. But, you know, someone's offering you zero financing, 0% financing or whatever, you know. And it doesn't always go bad. But the point is we begin to justify these things contrary to maybe what God's word tells us to do. And we can get ourselves in a place where we're reaping the consequences, where we exhibit foolishness. That foolishness is born forth from that. Now, James tells us in verse 15 here that man's wisdom or wisdom that does not descend from above um, that it's earthly, right? He says that it's earthly, meaning that it's of this world. In addition to that, he says that this wisdom is also sensual, or it's of the flesh. And also, lastly, that it is also demonic or of the devil. And we're going to break that down. But also speaking about the wisdom that is of the world, specifically that's, that's uh, defined with these three attributes that Paul speaks, or that, that James writes about here. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 20, he said this, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And the idea is, is when you take the wisdom of the world, which is all of these things and whatever way it's being manifested, whether it's earthly or sensual or, 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 or demonic, the fact of the matter is, is if you stack it next to God's, no matter how awesome it might seem, God's going to show it in comparison to his wisdom to just be ridiculously foolish time and time and time again. I love that that Paul points that out. God made foolish the wisdom of this world. And Paul's point is that the world is, this world is full of knowledge. It is. It's full of highly educated people, smart people. God didn't make us dumb. People who, in their own understanding of things, look, sadly, at the things of God and deem the things of God, the will of God, the way of God, the wisdom of God, they deem God's ways as foolish, God's wisdom as foolish. Yet, when the truth is made known, God reveals just how foolish even the wisest and most knowledgeable person is when they stand in opposition to God's will. You know, have you ever seen somebody that do that and you're just standing back and you're going, that's not going to work out well for them and time will reveal it. You know, God's gracious and he's long-suffering and he's merciful, but ultimately God's going to reveal it. And um, maybe you wives have ha had the opportunity to do that for your husbands. Okay, we'll just see, Mr. Smarty Pants. You know, and 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 um, <laughs> you're, you, you've been there and and, and uh, sometimes it, it plays itself out that way. And eventually, always, the truth is made known. God reveals just how foolish even the wisest person is in comparison to him. And without a doubt, there is a great need, need of knowledge in this world. And you know what? Even with the Internet, if I began to think about it, the Internet and with social media that we have now, it's safe to say that the world's knowledge is increasing. And the Bible says that. In the end days, knowledge will increase. But it doesn't mean we're getting wiser, does it? And even though there is this increasing um, knowledge increasing amongst us human beings, it's, 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 it's obvious as we look around 
at our leaders and the state and condition of the world that we're not getting smarter. In fact, as knowledge is increasing, I think it's safe to say that wisdom is decreasing. And we go, why is that? Why is that? Why is that even though scientists and researchers are unlocking many secrets of the universe that have been hidden to us down through the ages, the fact of the matter is, is we, do not know to, we don't even know what to do with what we're finding out. And this is because, here's the root of the problem. This is because the world, and this is true not just on a, on a global sense or, or a national sense, but individually, this is where it all is rooted in. It's rooted in the fact that the world is turned away from God, and as a result, there's no real wisdom. And when we turn away from God, there's no real wisdom. Remember, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where does wisdom begin? With the fear of the Lord. And it says, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And what did the Proverbs say earlier? Keep on getting and get some understanding, right? And in Romans chapter 3, verse 18, it speaks about the unbelieving people of this world. And it says this. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. No fear of God before their eyes. So the problem with the world's wisdom is that at best, the wisdom which has not come from God is earthly because it's rooted in man's ability to reason, right? And we know that man is finite and God is infinite. And so our ability to reason, in other words, to take the knowledge that we have and to rightly apply it, whether it's in regards to natural or spiritual things, is, is that we're limited by what we see by what we hear, to our senses, by what we smell, by what we can touch, while God's wisdom comes from us specifically from and, and by and through divine revelation, which is bound by no limits. It's limitless. In addition to our wisdom being earthly, James here also identifies the wisdom which does not descend from above as, sens- as sensual. And really what that means is natural. We think about sensual, what it's referring to is the natural man, the natural state that we are. And, and the wisdom that we have in our natural state is sensual. It's, it's not spiritual, really, that's what it means. But there again, that's the contrast. And, and the word sensual used here in verse 15 is the, is the Greek word sukias. And um, it comes from the, the root word um, uh, suk, which means life or soul. And this is where we get our English word psychology. Natural, the study of the natural order of things or the 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 natural the, the man's nature, right? And 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 it's it's all derived from this word that's here in verse 15. And the same Greek word sukios Sukikos is also found in 1 Corinthians where it's translated to the word natural and specifically refers to the opposite in this passage of what is spiritual. That's the context for it. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it tells us this saying, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolish or foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And the thought here is that the natural man, you and I, apart from the Spirit of God, possess a wisdom, or we can only possess a wisdom which is totally apart from the Spirit of God, meaning there's nothing really 
there's nothing wise in us apart from God, right? You get that? You see that? It's sensual. And, and therefore, the natural man who is not born again. And this is why, why Paul writes to the Corinthians also, and he speaks to them about, why are you guys suing one another, right? And then go into the secular world to act as some kind of judge over you, and they don't have the Spirit of God within them. How foolish is that? And, you know, and, and really, that's no different than us today saying, you know what? I'm really having a problem, and I'm just going to go to this secular counselor. And I'm not opposed to counselors or even some psychologists, but you know what? They better have their, their wisdom rooted in what God says. If not, at best, it's natural. And if it's natural, it's completely in opposition to the wisdom from God. Right? It's apart from the Spirit of God. You know what? And the fact of the matter is, 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 um, It's, it's, not only, it's not only someone who's void of the Spirit of God. It's someone who's in opposition to God. That's what this really means. They're in opposition to God because the old man wants absolutely nothing. Here who, who, here who, is there anybody here who can honestly say that in their flesh, the old man just desires to do the things of God? If you raise your hand, the Bible says you're a liar. Because the Bible says there's no good in us right? None. Not one. We're all unrighteous. There's no right thing in us apart from God. And see, the old man wants absolutely nothing to do with the things of God or the wisdom of God or the ways of God or the will of God or the word of God. And so if, if, if we're going to get our advice, our counsel, whether it's financial, marital, whatever, apart from somebody who's spirit-filled, we're actually getting advice from somebody who's in opposition to God. They may not consciously know that. They probably think that they're actually helping you, but it's, it's counterintuitive to do so. That's the point. And, um, and the, the bottom line is, because apart from the Spirit of God, this person simply does not understand God's wisdom. They don't understand it. That's what it says. They cannot understand it. And so they, they hear somebody who gives God's wisdom, and they're like, I mean, you know, have you ever done that? Have you ever sat in a, in a, in a, in a corporate setting or in, a, in even a, in, a, in a group discussion with somebody, and you have unbelievers there, and you're speaking truth, and, and, you know, and it's the right answer, it's the good thing, and they're looking at you like you're just, you know, you're, what are you talking about, you know? And so the wisdom of this world... Right, man's wisdom is first earthly and sensual, and then lastly, James identifies it, this is perhaps my most favorite, is the wisdom that is not from above, as also being demonic. So there's a wisdom that comes into this world that's from the devil. That's what we're being told here. It's demonic. And if we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, looking in Genesis chapter 3, we see this, Satan's wisdom being poured into God's creation. And it was in that time when Satan was, was able to successfully deceive Eve, right? I don't need to go back over that. But, and, and then continuing on through the entire Bible, there is shown to us to be this, quote-unquote, wisdom of Satan. That is work. That, this wisdom of Satan that is at work in this world fighting against the wisdom of God. And in the garden... Satan convinced Eve that she would be like God, right? He's rationalizing with her. He's, he's tempting her, but he's also deceiving her. And he told her that the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that it would make her 
wise. And ever since that time or that event, you know what? Can, people continue to believe Satan's lies. That they're going to be wise doing what Satan says. And they've tried to become really what the Bible's telling us is their own gods and they live in a way that seems wise or right to them. It's idolatry. At the core. At the root. And in light of this, we must be aware of the fact that Satan is cunning, guys. He's our adversary. He's cunning. And that he is an expert deceiver who convinces people every day that God's will and God's way of doing things is not best. Have you ever tried to speak to somebody outside of Christianity that holds, I'm just going to say it, not a political sense, but really a liberal point of view where they think that, that this transgender uh, people who are, who are sexually confused about their gender, that, they, that is really, that there's something scientific there. God's made a mistake. You know, and, and you cannot rationalize truth to them and go, and listen, there's an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. And every single cell in the body of a, of, of a female identifies as female, and every single cell in a, in a male body identifies as male. This is not a physiological problem. It's a psychological problem. And beyond that, at the root of it, it's a spiritual problem. But you rationalize with somebody who has man's world and wisdom world, you know what? They, they've completely deceived. They think they're wise. As a matter of fact, they think that we're just ignorant religious people, right? But we know the truth. Why? Because we have God's wisdom. We don't have Satan's wisdom. And that, my friend, what I just referred to and other things like that is Satan's wisdom. It's satanic. It's demonic. See, the Apostle Paul writes about these people like this who have this demonic kind of wisdom, one that comes from Satan's way of doing things. And he said this in Romans chapter 1, and it's kind of a blanketing thing here, but in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, he said this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. What is that really rooted in? The wisdom of Satan, okay? Of men and all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God, God's wisdom, is manifested to them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in God, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts. Fools, knowledge without wisdom. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man. Idolatry and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, therefore, God has also given them up to uncleanness, into the lust of their hearts, to the dishonor of their bodies among themselves, who has exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. See, the bottom line is, guys, Satan, and, 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 and I don't think we're so much prone to this as believers because the Spirit of God, greater is he who is in us, who is he, he in the world. I think that there's a certain protection over us, not that we can't fall into this same kind of satanic wisdom but you know what guys this should give us empathy and compassion 
for those who are in this world who are just being lied to and think that they, they've got it figured out. You know, when you have someone respond to your post that's not a believer on Facebook and they're just like, bah, 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 and you're like, ooh, and you type it all out and you go, ah, oh, delete. You know, and it's because we want to be guarded with the words that we speak, even in responding to these people, because, you know, there's a, there's a compassion, a grace, and a mercy where we speak the truth, but it's, it's, it's like this, coming alongside these people who are being deceived by Satan's satanic wisdom, by this demonic wisdom. And when we understand that that's out there, I think that helps us see where we're at and what God would call us to do. And we got to remember that Satan has a deceiving wisdom, and this, this deceiving wisdom, it will confound people. They will be hook, line, and seeker. They will be confused. Man, look at the confusion that's out there in the world. You know, you have one scientist saying this and another scientist saying that, and it doesn't matter what, whether it's with, with the, 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 the environment and global warming or global freezing or the foods that you're supposed to eat or how you're supposed to raise your kids or what you should do in your preschool or, you know, it goes on and on and on. But, but, but they, Satan can deceive anyone who does not exercise faith. That's the key, right? If you're not exercising faith, you're prone to being deceived by Satan. And, 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 and he can deceive anyone who does not exercise faith and anyone who does not seek to know the wisdom of God. But in contrast, okay, but in contrast to the wisdom that is earthly, sensual, and demonic, James goes on now and describes this wisdom which is from above that comes down. And in transitioning to this wisdom of God that comes from above, James proclaims in verse 17 this contrast that God's wisdom is pure. First, it's pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and with hypocrisy, without hypocrisy. And, and I just want to stop right there and just say, listen, if you're in a situation where you're unsure that the counsel or wisdom that you've given is right, and there can be situations like that, you better be quick to look at the fruit and go, does it fit this category? If not, you better revisit what you've said or what you've put forward in your own life and go, I need to back up and make this right, right now. If it's not pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, it's not from God. That's the fruit of God's wisdom being born out in our lives, knowledge rightly applied every time, every time. Now, guys, back in James, I already quoted this earlier, but back in the beginning of this book, in James chapter 1, verse 17, James declared this, that every good and perfect gift is from above. And where does God's wisdom come from? From above. As Christians, you know how many times we're told to, to just, there's so many references to above, right, of heaven, Things are not of this life. And, and this is significant. So take this in context. Wisdom is something that comes down from above. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And we who are Christians are instructed over and over and over again to look to heaven, look to what's above for what? Everything that we need. Furthermore, the Bible repeatedly, or, or, or repeatedly tells us that our citizenship is from Above, from heaven. It tells us that our treasures are above, in heaven. And that our hope is also in heaven, not of this earth. 
Therefore, the Bible says, taking all these things in context, we need to set our minds on the things which are above, things that are not of this earth. So as Christians, the last thing that we need to be doing is looking to the hollow and deceptive philosophies of this world for our wisdom. Why would we turn to the things which are below? In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, and I quoted this on Sunday as I got on a little rant, but it says, it says that Jesus is our wisdom, right? And then in Colossians 2, verse 3, it tells us that, that all wisdom, let me back up real quick. I don't want to just skip over that. That's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Jesus is our wisdom. It's all about Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. He's our wisdom. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it tells us that all wisdom and all knowledge is hidden in Jesus, who is the fullness of the deity in bodily form. Or it lives, the fullness of deity lives in Jesus in bodily form. And so guys, what that's really telling us is, is, is that the first step in being wise is to look to Jesus. And what does Jesus first offer? Salvation. That's the first thing, right? That's where it all begins. And so being wise is to look to Jesus and receive him as his Savior, as your Savior. I mean, is that not the wisest thing any person can do? Tell me of something more, more wise than putting your faith in Jesus and receiving him as your Savior. If you don't do that, I mean, you're a fool for the rest of eternity in everything that you do, bottom line. And then as we see that, as we see that Jesus is our wisdom and we've put our faith in him, we've, we've wisely received him as our Savior, then what we must do is we must continue in that wisdom by coming to him in a daily basis. If he's our wisdom, if he's the fullness of deity manifested in the flesh, all wisdom and all knowledge. Furthermore, the Bible, which is, is in addition to Jesus, the, the, the Bible, which is the word of God, is clearly a tool of wisdom for us or a vehicle of wisdom being brought to us from God, as it is this divine revelation. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6, it tells us, it says, to observe and keep God's statutes and do them. And the cool thing about it is, it says, it says when we do this, what it does is it reveals or bears evidence of our wisdom and our understanding to all the peoples and uh, peoples of the nations, and then they will declare just how wise and full of understanding that we are by keeping God's words, by keeping God's statutes. God's saying to the people of Israel and to us also, when you do what I say, all the people around you, when you live your life according to the, the way that I have said, now think about that for just a second. The Jews were a peculiar people, a strange people, right? They did nothing like anybody else. And we as Christians are called to do the same thing, right? To live differently than the rest of the world, to not do what the world does, to be separate. And God says, we're his peculiar people also. But God says, yet when you do that, he says, man, everybody's going to look at you and they're going to go, oh, you're so wise, so full of understanding. And I begin to read about, I begin to think about that and I'm like, really? I don't know about that verse, God. And, and even though we might disagree perhaps with the last statement, as we've all done things God's way only to be laughed and ridiculed for doing things God's way, the truth is, guys, 
what God's word is pointing out here as a truth is, is the fact of the matter is, is when these same people who have put their trust in the world's wisdom are laying flat on their face because it's ended them in a place of destruction or death or hurt, you know what? They're going to turn to God's wisdom. They're going to turn to us and go, what's different about you? And it may take them a while to get there. It may take them to have their eyes open up. But the truth is, is they are. They're going to go, wow, you're pretty smart. You have understanding. And that's happened to all of us to some degree over and over again where there's been people, the same very same people that have been laughing us or ridiculing us and all of a sudden they're go, they're, their marriage is a wreck and they're going through a divorce and they go, how have you been married for 30 years and still happy? Why does your wife still act like she loves you? Right? Well, God's word says. And all of a sudden, because God's wise and his wisdom, was, his, 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 his words, God's word is, is full of wisdom, we can go, you know what? Let me show you why. And, and we're no longer ridiculed. We're no longer persecuted. We're not, we, we are seen by the peoples around us as being wise and full of understanding. It'll happen. It does. Inevitably. All the time. And that's the cool thing about God's word and God's wisdom and God's statutes. And even though we see all these things and look at them in this light, when we consider accessing this wisdom that comes down from above, we see that in addition to Jesus and the word of God, that we as Christians are to seek, the Bible tells us, the wisdom that comes from God himself by prayer. So we have Jesus, who is our wisdom God's word, which is, is, you know, divine revelation to us. But also, we have this vehicle of prayer to obtain the wisdom. And as James, he already instructed us in, in chapter 1, verse, saying, verse 5, saying, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and freely to all who ask. And the bottom line is, is spiritual, true spiritual wisdom comes only from God. And to get our wisdom from any other source is really you're just inviting trouble. It's asking for trouble. Simply put, there's no reason for any of us who are believers or Christians to get the counterfeit wisdom of this world, the sensual wisdom that caters to our flesh or a deceptive wisdom that accomplishes the work of, of the devil. We, we need to, to, to get and keep on getting our wisdom from God. So wisdom comes from one or two places. And because of this, they, always, they also operate in completely different ways. So we have a heavenly wisdom and a worldly wisdom, and each of them operate in two different ways because they're from two different places. They serve two different purposes. And in, in verse 14, James gives us the evidence or evidences of the wisdom which is not from above by identifying it with these words, envy, self-seeking, boasting, and lying. And when we begin to look at these things, first of all, we see that envy is... Um, a desire for what someone else has or for what someone else is doing. And the world's wisdom is full of envy. And um, it's safe to say that envy and contentment are not friends, are they? For when we are filled with envy, we're not satisfied with what God has given us or with what God has done for us, in us, or through us. So... The wisdom which is not from above, it's rooted in envy, and it tells us not to be satisfied with what God has provided for us. How foolish is that? And the, and the wisdom which is not from above, it really mocks that contentment as it would have us believe that contentment or the world would say, it's settling for something less than what you deserve. 
right? You deserve so much more. And we also see that the wisdom which is not from above is also self-seeking. And consequently, if you've ever been around somebody or if yourself has been, if you yourself has been self-seeking, which we all have, you know that that leads to all kinds of strife and division and contention. As it tells us, this self-seeking tells, is, is this, the, it says, promote yourself. As a matter of fact, a self-seeking person or, 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 or someone who's self-seeking in the world will use this model, you know, this motto, the wheel that squeaks the loudest is the one that gets the grease, right? It's all about me. And that's part of the world's wisdom. That's what it produces is this self-seeking nature. And it's sad to say there's a great deal of self-seeking people even among God's people. And the wisdom which is not from above also exalts itself. And in doing so, it robs God of the glory. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 29, Paul discussed the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world, saying that God works, I love this verse, that God works by choosing those whom the world thinks are foolish and uses them to confound and bring down those in the world who think that they are wise. Telling us that God does this, he says, so that... No flesh should glory in his presence. And so Paul concluded that thought in verse 31 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And he says, therefore, let him who glories glory in the Lord. The point is, guys, is that a spirit of self-seeking only creates these rivalries, rivalries or these divisions. And we're told also clearly in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, we're told to, that we should let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than themselves. Now that's God's wisdom, right? And it's in complete contrast to the world's wisdom. Let us esteem others better than ourselves. So, in addition to being envious and self-seeking, a, 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 a self-seeking person, there are there are persons, or a person who is full of the world's wisdom, he says, also boasts in lies. You know, and boasting is always attached to lying. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say that a man who is wise in his own eyes is a man who loves to boast because they're full of pride. They're full of arrogance. And these two attributes, like nothing better than to, 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 to go around tooting your own horn, right? However, when God's wisdom has, is at work, the Bible says there's a sense of humility and submission, not only because we want to get Get, we want God to get all of the glory, but because we realize that it's not of us. And so there's no desire, or no, to bo- no, no, no desire to boast or to compare ourselves with any other person because we only see Jesus. It's his wisdom, not ours. And, in, and not only that, we realize that in comparison to Jesus, we're nothing. Oh, wretched men and women that we are. We realize that we're nothing and that we still have a long yet way to go. Yet, men, when men find themselves boasting, they will always find themselves lying against the truth. Because the fact of the matter is, is if you're going to boast in yourself, there's going to have to be a whole lot of lying going on. Look at how good I am. Well, then there's not really any good. Or look what I've done and, you know, you didn't really do it. Or what you did was not even what you say you did. A lot of line with boasting. But in contrast, James says in verse 17, as we kind of begin to wrap it up here, that true wisdom from which is above is first pure. It's pure. And in doing so, what, he's, he, what, Jim's, what, James, what, Jim, what, what James is indicating 
through this is he's indicating the importance, once again, of holiness. The importance of holiness is first pure. Because God, because God is holy. And because God is holy, the wisdom which comes down from him is going to be pure. It's holy. And the idea behind this word, really holy, is, is chaste or free from corruption. In other words, God's wisdom really leads to a purity of life. Where, on the contrary, man's wisdom leads to corruption, to sin. Likewise, God's wisdom is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, or compliant. It's also full of mercy and full of good fruits, meaning God's wisdom does not make a person's life empty. It makes a person's life full, meaning it has the power to change a person's life and then to bring forth or to produce good works through that person's life. Furthermore, God's wisdom which is from above, it's without partiality, it's without hypocrisy, he says. And the Greek word translated here for hypocrite literally means one who wears a mask or, an, or someone who acts. You guys have heard that before. But the point is, is when, when man's wisdom is at work, there's going to be an insincerity, a partiality, a pretense. Yet when God's wisdom is at work, there's, it's open, it's honest. The truth is the truth, Right? It reveals itself to be true. How many times? All of the time. Without hypocrisy. And because of this, we understand that God's wisdom is this, guys. God's wisdom, and we're thinking about the words that we speak, right? God's wisdom is truth spoken in love. Truth spoken in love. In the bottom line, there's a number of contrasting evidences between the operation of God's wisdom and the operation of the world's wisdom. But the fact of the matter is that these evidence and these attributes and these two kinds of wisdom lead to two completely different or differing outcomes. World wisdom, the world's wisdom will produce worldly results. That makes sense, right? The world's wisdom will produce worldly results. And spiritual wisdom will give us spiritual results, eternal results. And for the most part, James in verse 16 really tells us that worldly wisdom produces trouble, saying that every evil thing is there including envy, self-seeking, and confusion. And, and this is so evident in the times that we live in today because the number one reason that the world is such an, in such a mess is because we have refused to accept the wisdom of God. You look to our schools, you look to our education system, you look to the banking system, you look to our political system. It all boils down to that. They don't receive the wisdom of God. So while worldly wisdom produces trouble and confusion, God's wisdom, which is from above, produces a blessing produces a blessing. And this is why James concludes in verse 18 and says, God's wisdom is the fruit of righteousness sown in peace. I love that. God's wisdom is the fruit of righteousness sown in peace. I'm going to end with this. Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. Another word for happy in the Bible is blessed, right? Blessed. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her, as wisdom being personified, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. And her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And blessed or happy are all who retain her.
And may we retain wisdom. Father, your wisdom in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives and in the lives of those people around us. May it be in our homes. May it be in our church. May it be, God, in everything that we do. Lord, saturate us with your wisdom and give us the faith, God, to receive and to believe what you say to be true and to accept it and apply it to our lives. May we, God, as James has instructed us and commanded us and encouraged us here, Lord, not be empty vessels who speak with knowledge and yet have no wise words to say. God, may our words be seasoned with, with grace and, and, and with the truth of who you are and the knowledge of who you are and your righteous and holy pure ways. Father, we love you and do this work in us so that we may have um, not only a change in our own lives, but that we may have the power, Lord, to really influence people and, and through you, God, to change lives around us and to give people hope as we speak truth to them in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.